This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, dog lovers. Welcome to Dr. Cat Gone to the Dogs. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and dog lover. Today, I'd like to look at something from a little bit of a different view and talk about the people in your veterinary clinic. We all think about the animals coming in and out of the veterinary clinic, but what about the people that you encounter? Who are they? Where do they come from? And what is their training? I have with me today Liz Houston, who is a credentialed veterinary technician, and she has seen things from the inside out and has a lot to share with us. We'll be right back with Liz after a word from our sponsors. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Well, Liz, it's really cool to have you today, and I'm so excited to learn from you about the inside of a veterinary clinic and the people that are in the clinic. Welcome. Thanks so much, Dr. Cat. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And I love, this is a topic I feel really excited about. I love that we're talking about it because I think that so many people come to visit the veterinary clinic, they bring their pets, but they don't have any idea, maybe even beyond the veterinarian, who is taking care of their pets in the veterinary clinic or hospital. And I think that it's really important for us to know who those people are. And I'm excited to uh, shed some light on that today. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. We're going to talk about all the different roles, but obviously my role is the one of the veterinarian. And when I first opened my practice, I remember my receptionist coming to me and saying, someone stopped in today and wanted to know if they could come to work here because they wanted to learn how to be a veterinarian. And I thought, you know, they really didn't realize that you don't just start to work at a veterinary (laughs) hospital and work your way up to be a veterinarian. And so I think that this is a topic that people haven't thought about. So let's sort of walk through the doors of a veterinary clinic and talk about each of those people that we encounter along the way. Yeah, terrific. I think that uh, the first person most people see when they enter the clinic is the customer service representative or front desk attendant or receptionist, depending. Different clinics call it different things. But in the industry, we're moving more towards customer service representative. And that's because these people are the face of our clinics and our hospitals. And they are usually the first and last person that the client is going to see when they come to your facility. And as a client, that's who you're going to be doing a lot of your interacting with. They get the brunt of a lot of the 
discussions about money and payments, uh, which can be very difficult in the veterinary industry on occasion. And so that is a really difficult job that they have. And many of them have specialized training in customer service and customer relations. And that is really important, I think, when we're hiring those people on our side in inside the veterinary clinic, because they are representing us to the general public and to our clients. Well, I think that the term customer service representative is perfect because that's what a lot of my team members really are. And I think people underestimate how much my team and veterinary teams the world over really represent the client. We certainly discuss what's going on and and I love that my team cares about the client getting a good value and having a good experience. So those people being the face of the animal hospital, they are underappreciated, I think. I agree 100%. I think they are the among the most abused <laughs> staff members in the veterinary clinic and the really the most valuable in terms of your perception with your clients and uh, how clients feel when they come to your practice. And you want clients to feel, we want all of the clients that come to feel welcome, to know that we care about them and their pet. And as you said, we are all about getting them the best value to keep their pets as healthy as possible. So, so, <laughs> so who's next? So usually what happens next in a lot of clinics is a staff member will come in before the veterinarian. So a staff member comes in and they might take a little bit of a history with the client, talk about diet, talk about any concerns, what has brought the client in today with their pet, what they're hoping to achieve from the visit. And that person is usually either a credentialed veterinary technician or a veterinary assistant. So let's take a second. We can talk about the difference between those two people because in this initial interaction in the exam room, there's not a lot of difference in their responsibilities in the veterinary hospital. So an assistant is a person who does not have formal training in most cases. There are some certified veterinary assisting programs out there that people can graduate from and get a certificate from and NAVTA offers one, for example. But oftentimes they don't have formal training. They've been trained on the job at the veterinary clinic and they don't have formal education in animal sciences and veterinary science. That doesn't mean that they're not incredibly skilled and adept professionals in their own right. They certainly are. But in a lot of states, they are restricted from doing duties that credentialed technicians are. So a credentialed technician is a person who has gone to school, in most cases, a two-year associate's degree program to learn about veterinary science from the nursing side, from the animal care side, and they then take a national examination, and in many cases, they take also a state licensure or credentialing examination, and then they become um, a credential technician in their state, and they have a license that they pay to keep up. They have to go to continuing education in many states to maintain that license, and they are held to a very high standard of professionalism by the Veterinary Medical Board. As I said, when you're first encountering this person in the exam room, there's not a big difference between the skills and education needed in the room to take the history and to talk with the client about why they've come in today. And so a lot of clients, I think, don't recognize that they may be speaking to a credential technician or they may be speaking to an assistant when they come in the room. 
To be honest, I think a lot of clients, especially these days, with it seems to me the students that come out every year, the graduates, veterinarians get younger and younger every year. Uh, and a lot of times the clients don't even recognize that they may be talking to a veterinarian rather than a staff member. That doesn't happen to me anymore. I don't I don't know what you know what came about that I used to get questioned all the time, but I don't anymore. <laughs> So I think it's, you know, it's a very interesting, it can be an interesting dynamic in the exam room because some staff members and some clinics are better about those initial introductions than others. And where I am currently working as a relief technician, they focus a lot on communication. And so when you enter the room, the first thing that that I do that everyone I work with does is introduce themselves and talk about their role in the clinic. But you may not get that at the clinic where you take your pets. And I think it it's never a bad thing to ask, oh, are you an assistant? Are you a credential technician? As I said, that initial contact in the exam room, there's not a big difference in the skills or education required to do that part of the job. But I think it's good to know who it is you're talking with. You know, I, I know that you you know that my husband is an RN, and so he cares very much about credentialing and training. And, and of course, so do I. But when I am dealing on the human side with someone that's calling me back about lab results or whatever, oftentimes that person will not be a registered nurse or an LPN and, and will just be someone who does calls. And I think that the general public doesn't understand that everyone in a doctor's office is not a nurse. And I think by the same token, Everyone does not understand that everyone in a veterinary office is not credentialed and formally trained. And that's why I wanted to to have this show today. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a big issue. I really, I like my doctor's office, they wear very clear name tags that say medical assistant, or they have a big, like a banner tag on their badges that say RN or MD. So it's really a clear visual cue to patients to know exactly who it is they're talking to. And for a lot of people, and I'm sure your husband knows this very well, they don't understand the difference even between a medical assistant and an RN. But there is a huge difference in education, training, certification required, just as there is on the veterinary side between an assistant and a credential technician. I agree. And my team members all have their title really publicly on their name badges because I feel like they worked pretty hard to get the credentials that they have and everybody should know it. So I'm going to share this podcast on my animal hospital. And I just think (laughs) that everybody should be aware of who they're talking to so that they can adequately appreciate maybe their own investment in their professional skills. I think that is really a huge part of it for the pet owning public is to know that when they're spending their money at a, at a veterinary hospital, that they are contributing to the advancement of the profession. If they're at a clinic that really believes in credential technicians and hires credential technicians to do those jobs and skills that are restricted to credential technicians or veterinarians. And I think it does show a commitment to the profession and a commitment to the gold standard of care by that clinic to hire those people who have that credentialing. Well, so I want to talk about some of the things that credentialed technicians and team members can and can't do and so on right after a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with Liz Houston after this message. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here, host of Best Bets for Pets and Dog Mom 
to two gorgeous pooches. And I found a way to make them happy every month. BarkBox. It's a party in the box for your pooches, filled with toys and treats they will love. We have a special for you that you are going to love too. This is for all the pet parents. Visit BarkBox.com slash PetLife and subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan and get a month for free. How great is that? It's not just a sneeze. (laughs) It could be the pathway to disease. Your dog is at risk for contracting dog flu. That's why it's important to vaccinate your dog for dog flu. Get your dog vaccinated today. Visit dogflu.com for more information. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. So here's the crux of the matter. There are things that credentialed veterinary technicians can do and non-credentialed assistants can't do. So let's talk about that because that's governed by law. So weigh in on that, Liz. Yeah, it's a really great discussion to have that we did skip a person in our initial walk through the clinic, and that is the veterinarian. (laughs) So... The veterinarian, of course, is the doctor. The veterinarian is the really the highest trained person in the clinic. They have the most education. They have a doctorate degree in veterinary medicine. Depending on what the kind of hospital you go to, they may even have specialized beyond their doctorate. They may be specialized in clinical practice or internal medicine or emergency and critical care. And that's a whole other huge track of education and credentialing that's required for that as well. So the veterinarian is the person who is in charge of everything that happens in the in the clinic to your pet. And they are in charge of making the treatment plan. They're the person who is going to do surgery if your animal needs surgery. They're going to prescribe your medications. They're going to make a diagnosis as to what's going on with your pet. And they are going to provide you with a prognosis of what that diagnosis means. So life expectancy or the course of treatment that's expected, how we see the disease progressing. That's the veterinarian's job. So the veterinarian has those four things and no one else in the practice can do those four things. Only the veterinarian can do those things. When we step the next step down to the credentialed veterinary technician, this really depends on the state where your veterinary practice is. Some states have tasks that are restricted only to credentialed technicians. For example, I live in California, and in California, only veterinary technicians or veterinarians can place a cast or a splint. And only veterinarians or credentialed veterinary technicians can put sutures in skin. So a credentialed veterinary technician can't make an incision in the skin. They can't use a scalpel to cut the skin open for a surgical procedure or anything like that. But once the doctor is done with their procedure, the credentialed veterinary technician in California is allowed to suture that closed. Now, a lot of doctors like to close their own incisions and that's fine, but that is something that is restricted either to the veterinarian or the credentialed technician. 
in states like Washington, for example, only credentialed veterinary technicians can induce, monitor, and uh, induce, monitor, and I believe recover from anesthesia. So if your pet has to have a surgical procedure and they need to be anesthetized in Washington state, only a credentialed technician is allowed to monitor that anesthesia or a veterinarian. Now, in California, the law is a little bit different. It requires a credentialed veterinary technician or veterinarian to induce anesthesia, so to give the medications that actually put the animal under anesthesia to have a surgical procedure, but any person in the clinic can monitor that anesthesia. Well, so in the anesthetic protocol in my state and in my hospital is something that I or my other veterinarians always decide and only our credentialed technicians can do the induction, which is what we call the actual injection of the medications that put the animal under anesthesia. So it's that way also in Tennessee. Right. That's great to know. And, you know, it's really, it can be very confusing because the laws are different in many states. For example, in California, credentialed veterinary technicians are allowed to extract teeth during a dental procedure. It has to be done by either a credentialed technician or a veterinarian. That's also true in Washington state, but in many states, like I know the West Coast very well. So, for example, in Oregon, technicians or assistants, neither can extract teeth. It must be done by a veterinarian. And I believe that's the same in Tennessee. Is that right? That is correct. That is considered a surgical procedure and that is governed under the Practice Act. So we do that, but we are happy to have the technicians there (laughs) to monitor anesthesia and and pain coverage and things. And to do the cleaning. I doubt in your clinic, I know in my veterinary clinic where I work most commonly these days, the veterinarian doesn't do the cleaning, the scaling of the teeth and charting and the kinds of things that we do. What happens to us when we go to the dentist and the dentist hygienist does, we have the technicians doing that in our clinic. Is Do you have that also, Dr. Kat? I do. I do the, I don't technically do the charting, but I yell out my findings <laughs> <laughs> and someone else writes them down for me. So um, yes, I really depend on my team. I can't do as good of a job without them. And I am pretty sure every veterinarian is that way. That is so true. And, you know, I think it's really important as we started this podcast talking about the front desk staff, the customer service representatives. And the fact is none of us could do our job without anyone else in the clinic. So credentialed veterinary technicians can't do anything without the veterinarian because we rely on the veterinarian to prescribe the treatment plan, to prescribe the drugs, to tell us what it is that we're doing with each individual patient. We rely on the front desk staff to get the patients to us, (laughs) to, you know, make the clients feel welcome so they want to come and bring the pets to us. And credentialed technicians and veterinarians couldn't do anything without the assistance who we rely on to do everything that supports us in the tasks that we're limited to do. So if I can't get to a patient to walk it, for example, because I'm doing a credential task that's restricted to me, for example, inducing anesthesia, I'm relying on my assistants to be able to take care of the patients in my stead doing those tasks that they're authorized to do. 
So you and I, when we talked about what we were going to talk about on this podcast, we forgot somebody and I obviously forgot the veterinarian and needed you to help me, but um, also (laughs) the practice manager. A lot of people don't realize that there is a practice manager in many cases and that these people can also have formal training as a certified veterinary practice manager and every member of the team is critically important to your pet getting the best care possible. I am so glad you brought up practice managers because I think historically veterinary practices have been managed by the owner who is usually a veterinarian and oftentimes that veterinarian doesn't have management training or business training and it can be very difficult for them to be practicing medicine as well as running a business and I love that we have this movement in veterinary medicine now to bring in these super qualified veterinary practice managers and that certification is very intense to become a CVPM a certified veterinary practice manager it requires many years of experience and study and they have to pass an exam as well And to have a CVPM at your practice running the business side and taking care of that whole uh, money side of the practice, the HR side of the practice is a huge benefit. And I think veterinarians don't take as much advantage of those people as we need to. And I'm really glad to see the movement in that direction to bring in professional management into the veterinary practice. Well, I agree. And I think the bottom line really is every team member has a role, a specified role, and you can be better at what you do and what you're good at if you have other people doing what they are good at. And like you said, not every veterinarian is an excellent business person. So if they can depend on their practice manager, then they can focus on medicine, which is what they are good at. Exactly right. I love that. It's so true. And I love that your focus on the team aspect of veterinary medicine. I think that is so important that we have to remember that we can't do it without each other. And the team is really important. And the team, in my mind, includes the client. We can't do what we do without the client working with us as part of our team to provide the best care for their pet. That is an excellent point because as an animal owner or parent, you're the one that knows your pet the best. And we really, really need you to tell us what you're seeing and what has changed in order to be able to do our job well. And not to mention those cases where perhaps we diagnose a chronic illness or an illness that requires a lot of home management, like diabetes, for example. So if a veterinarian diagnoses a pet with diabetes, it can be really scary for a client. And oftentimes, it's going to be the credentialed veterinary technician that the client is going to be interacting with a lot to learn about how to give insulin injections, for example, what to look for in their pet to determine that they're responding to the treatment appropriately, or if they get sick, what are they supposed to do? And those are the kinds of things where the relationship with the client is really so important to make sure that they trust us and that they know they can ask us questions and come to us for help when they're managing a condition like that, which can be really difficult and scary for a client. And so it's really important, I think, for us to bring them in as a member of the team to work collaboratively with them to make sure we can provide the best care for their pet. I agree. Couldn't agree more. The healthcare (laughs) team. So see, that's why I brought you here. I, I love to talk about being on a team with the pet owner because the communication is so important and pet owners are not in this journey alone because 
people like Liz and myself, we're here with you and we care about your pet. So knowing who these people are in your veterinary hospital and knowing what their roles are and developing a relationship with these people is really in your pet's best interest. I totally agree. And I really want to encourage clients to get to know the people in their clinic. And I think the more you get to know them, the more you can rely on the quality of care that your pet is going to be receiving at the clinic. And I think it helps you also to know that you're, as I said earlier, you're supporting a clinic that believes in the gold standard of care. And I think that's a big plus for uh, veterinary clinics that, that are doing that. So as a pet parent, ask questions. Ask (laughs) your team members who they are and what their training is in. No one will hesitate to share with you. They're proud of their achievements. So ask questions and become a knowledgeable pet parent. That's really the final message that I want everyone out there to take home is that they, they can find out. You can ask and you need to know and support your veterinary team in their own endeavors. And they'll support you also. I agree 100%. Well, it's been really, really cool to go through the journey through the veterinary hospital with you and talk about the people for a change because we spend a lot of time talking about pets. But I would like to thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dr. Cat. It was a pleasure. And also my amazing producer, Mark Winter. And I want everyone out there to go out and raise the rough. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.